You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, and so it is championship weekend coming up. Championship week, I guess you could say. And uh, this Sunday, we're going to have the PLL's third championship at 12 o'clock Eastern time, of course, at Audi Field with a perennial powerhouse, the Whip Snakes versus the Chaos. What are your first impressions leading into the game? You know, I think this is something that we all probably saw coming, um, especially with kind of way the playoffs have shook out. Um, <clears throat> I've kind of been on the uh, the other side of everything with the Whip Snakes this year. I thought, you know, for most of the year that they were were playing with fire and everything like that, and maybe they just didn't have the uh, you know the the horsepower to kind of push them through to get to a third championship. But obviously, I was wrong. Um, you know, I think that they're they're playing they're they're playing some really um, inspired ball, especially with Brian Phipps in the cage. Um, you know, and 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 I think they're obviously going to be a, a really tough team to play. But you know, the one thing is is that it's it's a rematch of uh, last year's championship in the bubble. So um, I think you're seeing a more motivated chaos team. I, I, they've really rallied rallied around you know the prove people wrong mantra, and you know they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. So I think it's going to be um, you know a, a really interesting game. I think. Um, you know, both teams have a lot of juice coming into this one, but it, it, you know, it, it's really hard to, to, to match what the chaos is bringing, especially in, in, in between the boxes. Yeah. And he, here's the thing, you know, one team's five and four, one team's four and five, not exactly who you would expect in a championship game, but that's just kind of the way the PLL is, right? Like the regular season's irrelevant as long as you get to the playoffs. It's kind of like the NFL, right? I mean, you're seeing more and more like teams that are like 10 and six make the Super Bowl, um, you know, 11 and five. Um, you're seeing teams with some, some, some losses, but I, yeah, I mean, probably not the, the two teams that you, that you thought were, going to make it but not the are, first three weeks at least <laughs> yeah exactly but these are two teams that you know I, I think in this league you know the experience of being there and the experience of kind of going through the ups and downs of the season um really does help really helps these guys yeah and people are people are wondering you know the whip snakes have already won two in a row they're going for their third straight but like if that's the case they win two in a row. Why do they struggle so much this year? And I, and I was looking into it and I, I kind of had this feeling, and I kind of mentioned this throughout the season, but their midfield scoring was just non-existent for the most mm-hmm. part. I mean, Brad Smith really stepped it up, but yeah. when you look at it everywhere else, I mean, Haas was hurt for, for a good bit. A they, baby. they really transformed their midfield this off season between retirements and expansion drafts and everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Connor Kirst has shown a lot of flashes, but he's traditionally an attackman coming out of the box, more or less. Um, Chris Islanian, again, showed flashes, but again, he's kind of that, that hybrid guy coming out of the box a lot. Um, it, it's just, it just hasn't been there. Guys like Chan and Chuck haven't really, you know, he, he was known for a two bomb per game almost last yeah. season. And then when you have a, an attack driven unit, like, they do with Zed Rambo and, and, and Carlson, it's, it's really easy to rely on them. But the moment one of those guys got hurt, 
you could really see the depth kind of disappear in terms of scoring. Because they're everywhere else, they're, I mean, attack was the same. Defense is pretty much the same. Goalie's the same, with the exception of bringing in Phipps to be the, the you know, the shore guy, you know, to shore up the defense. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing. So I think with the chaos, game, well, with this matchup, they're really, really going to have to find some scoring from the midfield to, to relieve the pressure from the attack. Because you know that they're going to be sending early doubles to Rambo and, and to Zed. And then obviously he knows this, he'll do this. He doesn't even have to be told this, but find Jay Carlson inside because mm -hmm. that guy so underappreciated, so underrated, but he's the man. I mean, he is the perfect supplementary attackman. He's the guy who'll get you ground balls. He'll get ride backs. He'll finish on crease. He'll be open back door. He's doing everything right. He just, you know, he's not the initiator, so he doesn't get he's a lot like of the Zach credit. Greer. He's like Zach Greer in the Duke days. You know, he was just, he was like the best number two or number three, arguably, you know, um, in the entire NCAA. It's just, he does all those little things and, and finds a ton of success doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the midfield is going to be huge. And, and you know, the thing that's going to be um, interesting and, and what the what the chaos have really done well is, is that, you know, they create that chaos in between the boxes. They get guys stuck playing. Uh, they, they force teams to have to make a bad substitution, um, you know, or try and sub on the fly. They get there. They get transition going that way. Um, it, it's going to be a challenge for the whip snakes to kind of really deal with that because you've got, you know, listen, it's the PLL. Every pole is comfortable handling the ball. But, you know, they really kind of give their poles carte blanche to really, hey, pull up, take a two bomb, pull up, get an offense. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of handle that. And then <clears throat> on the flip side, handle you know dane smith has, has has really he's always been a phenomenal player um you know he's really kind of i think taking that next step this summer at least from a sense that now everybody kind of knows more about him like the casual fan not real across people know that he's such an overwhelmingly good player um but he's an unorthodox player for the field game so how do you manage that matchup it's going to be very difficult it's going to be pretty pretty interesting to see how the whips do that yeah honestly i think you know we, we've got two goalies we've got the, probably the best goalie in the world right now mm -hmm. and then we have a guy that's playing incredibly well i think this game really does come down to to the midfield and i know that the whip snakes have one of the best lsms in the world michael Earhart, but the chaos have a pair of guys with costa and ray that I think the depth at the LSM position for the chaos will, will definitely show through in this. And it's going to be extremely important. Cause like I said, the, you're going to have to send these early slides and everything. And the, the whip snakes, they do have a couple of guys where you could potentially leave and slide early from mm -hmm. and not worry as much. Whereas the, the chaos, they've got pretty much six attackmen out there every single shift. I mean, yeah, Dane Smith is a midfielder. However, you know, he yeah. doesn't play it like a traditional midfielder. I mean, that guy, you have to treat him with the, he has an attackman skill set. I'll say that yes. with a midfielder's body. So it's like, who do you pull? Like you, you should pull Dane. But with the way that the chaos play, like it doesn't really matter who you pull because they're going to do single, double, triple picks. And 
it's not going to matter for very long. So I, I don't know. I don't know how concerned you are in the game plan about, you know, the matchups, because, you know, if you're the whips, you know, and they do pick, they're doing their, their pick and their seals off ball that are Mm -hmm. basically opening up those matchups, which is if you're an offensive fan, you got to pay attention to that stuff. Cause I, you know, I was listening to something yesterday. That's there are a lot of teams that are doing that already, but that's like the next evolution in team offense but you know they're already doing it they're take that's some of those box schemes that are that are coming out onto the field but you're absolutely right nick i think one thing that's really kind of an intangible that's going to be really important for the whip snakes to match and if they can do this um they're going to put themselves in a really good um position but if they don't uh, you know, I don't know. You talked about, you know, Ray and Costabile, you know, Earhart's one of the best defenders in the world. If the whips can't match the chaos's toughness, it's going to be a tough day for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the chaos has done a phenomenal job in the playoffs of imposing their will on people. Um, and I think there's extra motivation in this game for them because of coming off of last year, um, you know, and last year's title game was good, but it wasn't great. It was kind of like, you know, chaos is lucky to even be here. Um, you know, the whip snakes kind of just marched their way into a second championship, you know, this time, I think there's a little bit more belief in the chaos that they can actually get this thing done. Yeah. I can't disagree with literally anything you just said. I was just going to point out to people that, uh, if you want to see that that offensive scheme kind of broken down, you should definitely check out Joe Keegan's Twitter because he does a great job breaking down uh, those those looks that the chaos has been providing. Yep. And then to go back to what we're talking about with with everything, I, I'm kind of intrigued. I, I want to hear. Well, first of all, let's talk about the faceoff real quick before we get into the, my last little thing here. So we've got Nardella, we've got Adler. The obvious advantage when it comes to winning the faceoff itself is to Nardella. However, Adler's really been stepping it up lately. So when I look at it, I mean, going into the game, Adler's, Adler and the Chaos are up to about 44%. Nardella and the Whips are at 56%. I think as long as, as, long as Adler can keep it close to that 44 45%, I think it's going to be about even because of the, the turnovers and cost turnovers that'll happen because of the way the I chaos think, play. I, absolutely. I agree with you. I th- and, and really the, the, I think one of the big X factors with that is, is that, you know, blaze Reardon, blaze yeah. Reardon has been saving the ball and he's been keeping him in games. I mean, if he's not saving the ball at 60, 68%, like he has been, um, I don't think the chaos is where they're at right now. I mean, it's easy to say that, like you're, we're quantifying those things, but um, I mean, I think if, if you go back to last year's championship game, he didn't have the greatest start to that championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of set them back a little bit. If he can have a great start to that game and maybe give them some life, um, that's going to be, I think the faceoff X and that, you know, cause you know, it, even whatever advantage the whips might have, you even said it, between you know the chaos they they what they cause in the midfield but how they put the ball on the ground and then blaze making extra saves they actually end up you know kind of bridging that gap making it a 50 50 or even end up plus on their side in terms Mm -hmm. of possessions so you know it's it's simple if you get more possessions and you get more opportunities to score you have a better chance to win it kind of boils boils down to if you if you take their face off percentage and their save percentage if it equals 100 together the chaos will win. Yep. 
So if Adler's at 40% and Blaze is at 60%, you can still win. If Adler's at 35% and Blaze is at 65%, you could still win. And the big thing about the way that the Chaos kind of have their face-offs, they might lose a lot of face-offs that they immediately win back after possession's called. So it's that's a weird stat, but like just watching the game a lot, you, you can see that, that that's true. Like... Costabile, Ray, Glissini, they're, they're creating a little bit of chaos haha, and uh, winning back these face-offs, even though they, they might lose the clamp and, and everything like that. And Costabile might be the pickup of the year. No, seriously. 100% agree with you right there. He might be the pickup of the year, and that's just – that's the game he plays. That's the game he played in college. But, like, that's it's like it shouldn't played. be surprising, right? Like, sure, no. he's, a, he's a little bit older – but like he, everyone knows he's 31. Like he, he's, he's, he's exceptional. Like, I, I, I think you're kind of like in your athletic prime. I feel like the issue there was a lot of people assumed that because he was older that he, they wouldn't be getting the same product. And here he is giving you exactly what you thought he would give you. You he's know, like Mac, he's like Maximus and Gladiator. Are, are you not entertained? He's just, he's just got a vendetta against the world. He's a per, he's perfect for the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's having a good time there. I think his spirit animal is Canadian. So I, and, and, and I mean, the big thing for me is I think we're going to know where we stand by, by what AT wears on the sideline this Sunday. Uh, I, yeah, I, I well, say it, I say it. Um, I hope I see, tra- I hope we see track pants again. Um, and who knows, man, the long sleeve under the polo or, or no long sleeve. I, he, Ooh, just, well, I just looked it up and it's going to be 87 and sunny. Well, in DC. If, he's not, if he's not wearing track pants, then shame on him. <sighs> yeah, it might be a flex to, to let the calves out and still. Oh, could you, oh man, could you imagine shorts with the long sleeve under the polo? I could. A little I ventilation. Could. That's that's next level right there. I, I mean, I agree with you. The the strength of the fit will will have an impact on the game. All joke. right, so and we joke. We're joking. It's it's uh it's just a fun thing. Show me a better looking guy on the sideline. Like the the whole the, the look top to bottom, I, there isn't one, and I'm 100 percent serious. Say anything to him because like he he'll he'll I think he'll he I think he's literally taken people's souls before. <laughs> Moving on to the last point, who is gonna be the guy in this game for you that makes the biggest difference? The the one that's kind of like who's the surprise guy? Who's the surprise guy? For me, I'm thinking, and this is kind of a, a shot in the dark here. I think Justin Gutterding, if yeah. that guy plays the way that we've seen him play over the years, you know, traditionally at attack, but he has the ability to to change this game because when I look at it, and if they pull, you know, like let's say that they they pull another midfielder other than Gutterding, which is likely, like let's say they pull Brad Smith. I mean, Guddy's going to have the short stick. He's going to have four guys taking attention away from him. He just needs to do his thing off ball and then convert. A lot of the times I think he was trying too hard in the first couple of games for the whips, trying to prove something. And a couple shots just weren't going. But, I mean, we all know he has it. So I think he might be, you know, the dark horse for, you know, very impactful. I don't think he's going to be, like, more impactful than Zed or Rambo, like, I just think the guy that no one's thinking about really gutterding. 
I agree with you. Um, I, I think there's two for me. Um, you know, I, I, I think um, Troy Ray is going to be really important for the, the success of this team in the middle of the field. I think you can make that argument for, for both LSMs. Um, but I think the most important person in this game is going to be Ryan Curtis and what he comes up with defensively to play the uh, whip snakes. Um, I thought he had a phenomenal game plan um, to play the Atlas um, in terms of what they were doing, especially when the ball was behind, um, you know, agreed. I they couldn't do anything. They couldn't you know, create anything for Max. Well, and, and the thing was, is that if you watch that game, you know, a lot of teams, how they're taught to play that kind of two man, that pick game at X, you know, you always follow your picker and you either switch, you chip, you jump or, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or you, or you let the guy, or you let the, you let the defender uh, get through. They weren't sending anybody back there. So it was, it was um, really kind of screwing up whatever the Atlas was doing. And they were able to, um, if Teat kept the ball, they were able to meet him at GLE and he really wasn't able to do anything. Um, you know, it just wasn't really working. And um, I, I really liked that. I, I love what they were doing there. And I thought that that really goes, it, goes back to one of my favorite coaching points. You, you can't score from X. Yeah. I love, I love the way that they did it. I'll try to find a video for the post, but essentially one guy would go back there and then the picker, he would notice that uh, it, this was happening and just, he would just hang out at GLE yeah. and just let whatever happened, happen and meet the guy at GLE and really, really saved, saved quite a bit of drama for the yeah, defense and, and, and pressure. There no, and there were no hangups, you know, the goalie, there were no hangups, no nothing like that. It's just the picker would either, the, the guy getting picked would either stay with the picker and they would meet or he would be able to get through and it would just be fine. Yeah. I, I definitely will try to find a video of that, but it was very noticeable that they were playing it a unique way and a purposeful way because they did it repetitively and, you know, and it's, and it's going to be interesting because the, the whip snakes dodge at unconventional points where a lot of teams don't necessarily teach their slide packages from. So it's going to be really cool to see what, what, what they come up with to kind of defend that. Yeah. And if it even matters, because let's yeah. face it, Rambo and Zed can kind of at any point do whatever they want Yeah, because I saw Zed do some things last week that just completely blow piece. Blows yeah. He's a guy that There's some things there that I was like, wait, well, how did he get what, that shot off? So quickly here's what yeah, i will double say team about, here's what i will say about zed he was highly touted coming out of high school going to virginia um i think a lot of people didn't quite understand why he chose virginia over some of the other programs um in upstate new york and he's a guy that had a really nice college career but based off of what he did in college i don't think anybody kind of saw what he's doing right now as a possibility but he's a guy that has gotten so much better um, he's a tremendous ambassador of the game. Um, you know, he, I, I can't wait to, to watch him play at the international level. Cause I think, you know, you're seeing an Iroquois team that's so much better, but I mean, he's, he's arguably, you know, the most impactful player in the PLL right now. He might not be the best individual, but he's arguably the most impactful. Yeah. There's yeah, there's no arguments there. I I kind of for a while there forgot about him at Virginia just because like I didn't watch a ton of ACC lacrosse when he was in college and I like I knew the name. I would always hear it. I'd see him play a couple of games, but when I did play him, it wasn't always like earth shattering.
Yeah, and he had a phenomenal senior year that kind of closed out his college career. That was, you know, that was that was good. Um, but yeah, he's he's a beast. Agreed. Well, is he your your pick for MVP if the Whips win, and Blaze is the pick for MVP if the Chaos win? Probably. Yeah, I can't. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go with that as well. Well, listen, noon, Sunday, make sure you watch it. We need to get this viewership as high as possible. I mean, they built some suspense up. There's some announcement coming up today that we assume is just the Hall of Fame announcement, but maybe it's not, and maybe we need to hop on again <laughs> to talk about whatever happens at uh, 11 today. So Maybe maybe Paul's going to show off one of his new tattoos. I don't know. Maybe that's the announcement. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right. Enjoy the game this weekend, everybody, and have a good day. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides. Sides.